Welcome to the moon. My name is Renly Sylvain. I'm going to be your host. This is episode three, Mission Critical Basics, part two. There's a lot of basics to cover with Bitcoin, and we're going to continue covering them until I'm satisfied that that I've given what I know, but also given links to resources that will uh, do do far more than what I can just teach over audio. But first, I want to start off with some corrections from last episode. So there was uh, my explanation of how transactions are, are processed and broadcasted to the network in my last episode was a little bit off. So I just wanted to say, uh, to, to state the record clear, that when you send a transaction over the network, it is first seen and inputted into your node that you're connected to, either through the service that uh, that that hosts your wallet, the node that they use, and then when that node sees the transaction, it puts it in the mempool, and then it relays the node to whatever, however many nodes that node is connected to. It could be five, it could be ten, it could be twenty, it could be a hundred. But you, you really don't need that many nodes to be connected to when, when you're running a full node. You just need a sufficient amount of nodes that you're connected to. And so, so the node that you sent your transaction to relays the transaction to the nodes it's connected to. And those nodes relay the, connect, relay the transaction to the nodes that they're connected to until the entire network sees your transaction and all the nodes that see your transaction put that transaction in the mempool and the mempool is a waiting place for where transactions wait before they're put into a block once a transaction is put into a block then that block has a bunch of other transactions in it and it is sent to the miner that that node is connected to or miners that that node is connected to. Now, if I get any of these things wrong, anybody who's uh, maybe more experienced than me, please correct this, but I'm pretty sure that's how it works uh, on the transaction broadcasting side, and as well as uh, uh, putting transactions in the mempool, having them wait in the mempool, then having the transactions taken from the mempool, put into a block, and then that block is sent to miners to be mined. And the other correction I wanted to make from last episode was I said that transactions have sources and destinations. I should have said what transactions have are inputs and outputs. And to clarify that further, when you uh, send a transaction, you are essentially saying that an output previously that was in a previous block, it doesn't have to be the most recent block, it could be a block that is 100 blocks earlier or 200 blocks earlier. Um, the most recent, or, or you you say the, the public address that is an output 200 blocks ago or however many blocks ago, you use as an input for a transaction and then in that transaction, it says the input that you use is sending coins to an output. And that's what a transaction is. It's an input, which is a, a Bitcoin address, and then an output, which is another Bitcoin address. And that goes into a block. Now, to 
illustrate this even easier for you guys is if you go visit this website, if you go visit blockchain.com slash explorer, there you will be able to see a representation of what is in a block or a transaction. You will actually get to see a few a few other resources. You'll get to see uh, the mempool and, and the, the current uh, size of the mempool. Uh, so, you know, kind of giving you an idea of how many transactions are waiting to be put into a block. But more importantly, you'll be able to see what a transaction looks like. And that will be, it's, it's a lot easier to understand something if you can actually see it. You know, seeing is believing. So go on uh, blockchain.com slash explorer and uh, scroll down a little bit and you'll be able to see, let me double check here, you'll be able to see uh, the latest blocks so you can see what's in a block. And, and they have a lot more data than what's, uh, a, lot, a lot more data for each block that's, than what's uh, actually in a block. But they, you know, that, that's all good. You, you know, you can see what's all that extra data. But so you'll be able to see the latest blocks and you'll be able to see the latest transactions. And on top of that, at the top of the page, you'll be able to search for specific transactions or an address or a block. So there's a lot of flexibility of what kind of data you want to see on the Bitcoin blockchain. Again, the Bitcoin blockchain is a is a public database uh, or, or a public representation of a database that, that has to do specifically with Bitcoin. And you'll be you're able to look up all data that is on that on that blockchain, on the Bitcoin blockchain. So yeah, go visit that website, play around on it, and you'll be able to get an idea of what's in a transaction, what's in a block, and and uh, probably other stuff if you, if you uh, explore a little bit more on the website. So w- the rest of the episode is, uh, I'm gonna cover a few new things. M- maybe not that new, I've probably touched on them uh, a few times already, but uh, the first thing is, a public key and a private key and a Bitcoin address. So I actually, I guess I've already covered transactions and the fact that a Bitcoin address is both, you know, one Bitcoin address is the input and then another Bitcoin address is the output. Um, But a public key and private key is the key thing that I want to talk about here. So a Bitcoin address is derived from a public key that is part of the public key and private key pair. A public key and private key are paired together mathematically through whatever uh, cryptography function that is used. Uh, Another great resource now that I think of it is if you go on Khan Academy and you search up their, yeah, go on Khan Academy and you search up RSA encryption and you watch their, I think they have 10 videos on RSA encryption, that will be a great educational resource for how uh, encryption is used to private public key and private key encryption is used to uh, conceal information and send that concealed information between two parties without anybody being able to uh, see that information. Uh, now, Bitcoin doesn't use RSA encryption, it uses elliptic curve cryptography so I, I don't have specific videos on that. Plus, elliptic curve cryptography is just a lot harder to understand. Uh, but I would say RSA encryption is still very tough as well. But Khan Academy does such a great job of explaining it. 
that uh, that uh, you can walk away from those videos at least being comfortable with cryptography. Uh, yeah, visit that website if you want to learn more about cryptography and public key and private key, key cryptography. The, the important thing to know is when you own Bitcoin, what you the the thing that you have to keep control of is your private key. And to see a private to see an example of what a private key um, is, you can actually go to one website which is called uh, see if they're still running. I haven't visited them for a long time, but uh, yeah. So if you go to bitaddress.org, b-i-t address.org and you go through their initial steps for generating randomness or generating a Bitcoin and a Bitcoin public key and private key pair. Um, I'm just doing it right now. So once you generate the randomness that you need to generate to, to go through the process of, of generating your private key and public key, um, you can see what a public key looks like. It's just a series of numbers and letters. And when you own Bitcoin, you need to make sure you keep your private key secure. The public key you can share with people and they send uh, they send Bitcoin to that address, just like you would send email to an email address. Instead of sending email to an email address, you, you send Bitcoin to a Bitcoin address. If you go on bitaddress.org, you can play around on there and then you get a visual representation of a public key or a Bitcoin address, which is derived from a public key, and then also a private key. Um, so that's the last thing I'm going to say about that subject. The other thing I wanted to cover in this episode was uh, previous hash and current hash. So in the last episode, I talked about what's in a block. And in a block, you have a previous hash and a, and a current hash. Uh, and a nonce that the miner changes the nonce over and over and over to get a resulting current hash that satisfies the difficulty algorithm. So what's important to know about hashes, uh, and again, if you if you use the resources I linked to in the previous episodes, you would understand hashes pretty well by now. But the important thing to understand with hashes is they can take any amount of data apply the mathematical function that is a SHA-256 hash, which is the hashing algorithm that Bitcoin uses, you apply the SHA-256 hash and, and you get a certain number as an output. And any change in the data, so if you change the nonce in the block, any change or if you change any other number or data in the block, the hash is going to be much different than if you didn't make that change. So miners, uh, just so you know, miners are changing the nonce over and over and over in a block until they get a resulting hash. And then, and if that resulting hash is a low enough number or has enough has a lot of enough zeros at the front of it, indicating a low number, then uh, that miner will win uh, that block, uh, or they they will broadcast the block to the node that they're connected to that node will broadcast the block to the nodes that they're connected to until the block is uh, spread over uh, the entire network. And and that's essentially, and, and then that block will have a previous hash and a current hash in it. And that's how you get those two uh, pieces of data in a block. And now that I think of it, one, I, I, 
another great resource actually coming from Khan Academy to to explain the intricacies of or the basics of how uh, Bitcoin works graphically, because obviously drawing is uh, is is probably an easier way to learn about how all this works or, or through graphical representations or, or sketching. It's easier to understand how Bitcoin works as a network uh, using uh, using the explanation that that Khan Academy has. So if you go on canacademy.org and you type in Bitcoin, you can see they have a series of videos explaining how Bitcoin works. Watch those videos and actually... <laughs> I may not even, I don't know, maybe in my next episode, I'll figure out what else I want to cover. Actually, I, I already know what I want to cover in the next episode. But um, yeah, watch those videos on Can Academy. And in my next episode, I'll touch on probably one of the most important parts of Bitcoin, which is how Bitcoin relates to money or acts as money. And how it compares to government money and why we see big bubbles in the price of Bitcoin and also why you can kind of have faith in Bitcoin as a store of value. So those are some really important topics, but I'll talk about that in the next video. But the the important thing, one of the important things is just to get the basics, just to get the basics of how Bitcoin works. And with these initial episodes of me explaining how it works, plus the videos that are on canacademy.org uh, plus uh, blockchain.com slash explorer so you can see transactions and blocks and and all the all the resources that I've linked to and talked about. And and uh, the GitHub, I don't think I've talked about the GitHub yet. So I guess I'll I'll talk about okay the last thing I wanted to cover. One the last thing I wanted to cover in this episode is the fact that most people don't need to know how a blockchain works to really use it. And in, in all honesty, like down the line in the future, people probably won't learn exactly how a blockchain works when they first use Bitcoin or for, for a very long time or forever. They may just learn to have trust in it and faith in it. But in the early volatile days of Bitcoin, if you're going to have uh, if you're going to put your monetary faith in Bitcoin, if you're going to put your savings in Bitcoin or start saving in Bitcoin or start earning Bitcoin, understanding it can lead to a level of conviction and comfortability that uh, that you'll be able to, you know, comfortably go on with your life, go to work, uh, uh, spend, uh, save um, without worrying too much about if your money's going to be hacked or, or you know to, to disappear or 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 all these things um the, understanding how the blockchain works is important if, if you want to do that um but at the same time the, now this is important at the same time what's also important is actually using bitcoin so uh two websites to buy a hardware wallet um one is Trezor.io and the other one is Ledger.com. So Trezor is spelled T-R-E-Z-O-R.io and then Ledger is L-E-D-G-E-R.com. Those two websites sell what's called a hardware wallet. And if you buy one of those hardware wallets and then you go to your, you, you find your local 
Bitcoin exchange. Um, you can you can buy Bitcoin on the on the Bitcoin exchange on the website that you uh, connect your bank account to. Uh, there's there's a bunch of different websites. I'm not going to say which one is is good right now because it depends on what country you're listening. You know what what country you're in and and what I don't know all the exchanges in every single country around the world. So. So, you know, you'll have to source where you buy Bitcoin in your given country, um, but you can go on one of the websites, Trezor.io or Ledger.com and buy yourself a Bitcoin or cryptocurrency hardware wallet. And that's important because then you could buy Bitcoin, take it off the exchange, store it yourself and take control of your money. And that's one of the that's the that's the really power of this technology so you can learn all about the blockchain and the hashing algorithms and the cryptography and the private key and the public key and all that stuff that's great but i would say the best way to learn how brilliant and simplistic this invention is in this tool is just buy some store it and uh you'll the light bulbs will start going off and then you can gradually learn more and more about the technology as, as that information, you know, your lives, you know, people's lives are busy, so they have work to do. And if you, if you just end up start saving Bitcoin, you'll naturally, when you have free time, you'll naturally start learning more and more about it and you'll you'll grow more and more comfortable uh, with it. So uh, I think that's about all for this episode. I think uh, the last resource that I'm going to link to, I've linked to, or I've talked about a lot of resources in this episode. Sorry to bombard you with so many, but uh, I might as well get it all out of the way because these these are the best resources to go to to learn about Bitcoin. Um, This last one is... uh, there's this guy, Andreas Antonopoulos. You can look him up online. Um, I'm sure you may misspell the name, but he's a very famous Bitcoiner. So uh, I'm sure Google will help you uh, search out the proper, um, I guess I can, okay, I'll, I'll figure out how to spell Antonopoulos. Uh, Andreas Antonopoulos. Okay, so um, Andreas is spelled A-N-D-R-E-A-S. And then Antonopoulos is A-N-T-O-N-O-P-O-U-L-O-S. If you look at his learning resources, uh, he goes really in-depth to Bitcoin. And he actually wrote a book, which is available for free at uh, github.com slash Bitcoin book slash Bitcoin book. And you can read Mastering Bitcoin on that website, which uh, really dives into the technicalities of Bitcoin and the protocol and and uh, every every aspect that you could possibly want to know about Bitcoin. Um, so with that said, my next episode is going to be about how Bitcoin acts as money, how it compares to government money, and why we see big bubbles in the price which those subjects are absolutely crucial to having the desire or or motivation to want to buy or start saving in Bitcoin, which if you think about it is such 
an absolutely crazy thing to do to move your monetary uh, or to move your your savings from one saving mechanism to another like that's a very serious thing to do in in a person's life and uh and covering those topics covering the overreaching or overall topics of 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 one moving from one money to another is uh is very important and i think uh after that, pretty much the basics will be covered, plus all the resources I've linked to in this uh, in this episode, or linked to, I haven't linked to it, I've just talked about it. Um, all the resources that I've talked about in this episode, really, uh, you, you'll, be, you'll be well on your way in understanding and having confidence in Bitcoin as a money. So thank you very much. Uh, that was a fun episode, and I will catch you next time. Peace. <laughs>